नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारवक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा सो माय गेस्ट टुडे इज अविनव प्रकाश एंड वी आर गोइंग टू बी टॉकिंग अबाउट कास्टिज्म इन इंडिया टेकिंग आवर रेफरेंस पॉइंट एज द रिसेंटली कंडक्टेड प्यू पोल सर्वे अविनव थैंक्स फॉर कमिंग ऑन द पॉडकास्ट थैंक यू कुशल एंड थैंक यू फॉर इनवाइटिंग मी अगेन इट्स ऑलवेज अ प्लेजर टू टॉक टू यू यू नो द चारवक पॉडकास्ट इज वन ऑफ द बेस्ट पॉडकास्ट्स इन इंडिया एज ऑफ नाउ thank thanks a lot abhinav so abhinav ek kaam karte hain so how about this because uh, obviously our specific focus is going to be uh, section number 4 in the pupil surveys which was titled attitudes about caste and uh, so so let's do this before we bring the charts up so abhinav my first question to you was going to be right when you read this survey especially you know section 4 because i know you you did a detailed uh, study of the survey uh, we 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 had a lot of uh, conversations about this offline too so so what were your initial reactions where, when you read this well my initial reaction was basically that the survey validates what we have been observing in india for a very long time especially my generation the survey clearly shows that that the most of the people in india especially the people who belong to the other backward castes or the scheduled castes uh say that they do not feel uh, any widespread caste discrimination in india as of today right so that that's something which has come out very clearly in the survey second point is that majority of the people are comfortable with their caste identity it's not that they are you know, there's this whole kind of woke activism you see everyone is triggered about you know to me mere ko aisa kaise bol diya i belong to this and that and that is not there so people are very comfortable in their caste identities they do not uh, believe that i should be discriminating against the other person barring when it comes to very personal matters like marriages and all and the third point is that majority of the people no longer see see that there is a widespread caste discrimination in india but these are of course attitudinal surveys right people might come and say but there is no direct caste discrimination but there is institutional discrimination and so on but those are never ending debates as such but overall when i read this report i was like well i'm not surprised this is what uh, we have been observing we have been talking about and uh, good that one study has basically reported upon it uh, other point kushal is that it it basically tells you that the social science research in india has been completely bogus Uh, especially the social science research which comes from the liberal side or the left side why why have they never done any empirical study like this you have dozens of university departments in india with like good funding why why to why took up you research a foreign agency or uh, a foreign institution to do this kind of survey and this is a problem in indian social sciences there's too much of uh, drama baji there's too much of ideology there's too much of propaganda very less of empirical research especially when it comes to sociology so i think it's also uh, uh you know uh, a chance to reflect upon where we failed in our social science departments all right so 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 let me also take in so because we have, you know today's discussion unlike we usually do a hour and a half but today because of time constraints we're going to be going for like 45 minutes to 50 minutes so so i'm going to take a few audience questions also in between and this kind of you know mixes in with the in general discussion before we get into the detail of the survey so someone has asked do you, uh, how much of the role do you think neo buddhism has also played in the upliftment of uh, scsts in in terms of what this uh, you know the the results in the pupils have shown i don't think that there is any direct relation this is this is a question which someone also asked me in one of the conference in delhi university 
that uh, the Dalits who have converted to Buddhism, which is you know this new Buddhism, what you're talking about, they are better off than the Dalits who have not converted to it. And my response to that was that time that it's a correlation, it's not the causation. And the correlation is in basically the reverse order. Uh, the Dalits or the people coming from the Dalit caste, let's just be very accurate, right? The castes are the Dalits. It's not that individuals per se are the Dalits. Every every member, every person belonging to a scheduled caste is not a Dalit. I mean, they might be very well off otherwise. So the Dalit castes, uh, uh, the members who have socioeconomic mobility, who have higher education, you see that they then started talking about neo-Buddhism as such. So you see that, oh, the people who follow neo-Buddhism, they are well off, but it's basically the people who are well off, they follow Buddhism. It's not that the people are following new Buddhism, that, that's why they are well off. The second point that this phenomenon is only limited to Maharashtra and uh, basically to one particular caste as such. Uh, it's not that all the scheduled caste uh, in uh, Maharashtra have adopted Buddhism. It's just one dominant caste, a, a, a significant number of those uh, people. That's it. I, I don't see new Buddhism anywhere. Most of the uh, scheduled caste people uh, are probably Hindu, they are very uh, attached to their local traditions, their deities, their gods and goddesses. They have no interest in, you know, uh, uh, becoming Buddhist uh, beyond what, you know, which every every Hindu basically respect Buddha. So you will find whether you go to a, to, a, to the home of someone who is belong to Shirun caste or someone who is from uh, a backward caste or someone who comes from the uh, uh, so-called upper caste or whatever you say, uh, there's a reverence for Buddha anyways, right? So you will find Buddha statue in the home of almost every caste members. Depends on the person, but you will, there is no such thing that only one kind of people will keep Buddha statue in their home. So I don't think that the people are very much attracted towards Buddhism as such. That's the academic discourse, that's the activist discourse, which you see on the ground, that's high, that has high visibility, but that's not true on the ground. So you go to Western UP, <clears throat> in many houses you go, you will find uh, the picture of Ambedkar, picture of Buddha, picture of Ganesh and Lakshmi all together. And so this is also how India has always been. This is how the uh, Hindu society has always been. And the Dalits are part of Hindu society. So they're also like that, right? So they see no contradiction in keeping Ambedkar and uh, other deities, uh, you know, uh, picture on their walls. I mean, some uh, new Buddhist activist, some Bahujan activist might go and get triggered, but that's not how the people see. Right, so uh, uh, this is something we have to understand. I don't think neo Buddhism per se has played any role, apart from providing a, a point of argumentation that you know a, a cultural counterpoint to the dominant Hindu culture, especially the Jati Varna Sharma system. Uh, but that's it. That's about it. Yeah, it's very interesting. So you know, Jesse, so I got reminded of uh, one of the stories of my personal stories I've experienced in my life. I have uh, shared it before on the podcast, but I think it's very uh, important to reshare it again. So and I told you the story on your podcast too. But remember, you know, I was working once in a you know a slum where uh, the, primarily the entire crowd was basically you know what you call new Buddhist supporters or you know that people of that political bent. It's very interesting. The the person sitting on the podium was, you know, shouting and screaming at the people below and telling them, I've told you so many times not to celebrate Diwali. You buggers keep celebrating Diwali. <laughs> I don't like this. And then I was like, because I was doing food distribution and other development works there. So once that person was like, you know, far away, I was like, I asked the people, 
he was shouting at you he's like let him shout now we take food over here we take food over there we will go to both places this is our culture both are our cultures yeah so uh, this report is also very interesting because you look at the other religion part and all this report is telling that indians uh, see and believe uh, they see their religion their belief system quite differently from the watertight compartments of religions or what is uh, you have uh, what what can we call the western conception of religion indians don't uh, look at it uh, like that way so when you talk about buddhist india hindu india i mean when india was uh, uh, a so called buddhist period in india uh, you have the buddhist uh, deities you have the hindu deities being worshiped together you find them together you know the mass culture is that okay they are worshiping uh, local deities they are also worshiping nagas they also follow you know mahayana buddhism or whatever and this is how india has always been when you talk about uh, hindu india you know so they they worship the uh, puranic deities they worship their local deities they will keep buddha statue in their home this is no contradiction we are seeing a contradiction because we have this definition of religion in our mind which is not an indian construct at all right so we look at the uh, the what you, what you call religion in a very different manner and this is what the new buddhists or these new ambedkarites just don't understand right so yeah. they act like uh, i agree like very intolerant missionaries that okay you can't do this you can't do that you throw out the statue of ganesha from your home in maharashtra but when ganesh festival happens everyone goes to ganesh festival right so they will go attend go and attend some uh, uh, new ambedkarite meeting uh, they will attend some uh, radical speeches and uh, in the evening they are dancing in the ganesh panda fine yeah and you know this 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 thing especially has been proven in the poll itself where you see these attitudes uh, mattered all over in the poll in terms of you know most 30% christians or 32% christians go and believe in the holy power of the ganga and this is uh, this is the like i say you know people always talk about the abrahamification of the hindus they don't talk about the dharmification of the abrahamics in india that is never discussed in indian social sciences or in indian discourse i i i have always said that you know this thing is also or and there are many more points but uh, i mean another point that somebody has asked uh, who's watching this is uh, have we seen any correlation between literacy rates and caste discrimination in india uh, because that is also something in the discourse on caste discrimination that people try to bring in at times no there's a there there's a direct correlation the high literacy is related to less caste discrimination and that's based on various the reports and surveys and uh, that's a direct correlation i mean the more educated the people are the less they do these kind of discrimination also you can see that in the real world uh, in the urban centers the high literacy center the caste discrimination is much 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 lower than some uh, reasonable literacy rates are uh, also low so there is a direct correlation i think literacy does plays a role i would say that the relation is complex it's not that that you know that the people are literate and they do not discriminate is the kind of education you are getting also the second point is that the literacy rate high literacy rates are also related to higher socio economic mobility so the reasons where uh, literacy rate is higher the socio economic mobility of everyone is also higher which basically leads to the restructuring of the society away from the traditional jati varna kind of mindset so people are suppose, suppose you you are in delhi or noida you are working in one company then you are moving to other company 
you're working with the people of different backgrounds, different caste and community. Most of the time, you don't even know which caste a person actually belongs to, right? You're living in an apartment in a colony which are highly diverse, which are no longer single caste colonies or single caste uh, localities like we had uh, earlier. So that also leads to this breakdown of this kind of uh, uh, caste consciousness, you know, and that is being replaced by increasingly by, as I keep pointing out, by a Hindu consciousness. So if you are uprooted from your village where you were living in your the tola or the colony of your jati, now you have been thrown into a metropolitan center. Uh, you don't have your caste men around you, right, to provide you company, to socialize you in that particular community. Now you are dealing with different caste communities. You are dealing with the caste communities from the reason uh, about which you didn't even know, right? Because the castes are highly localized. So if there is some caste from Kerala or there is some caste from Maharashtra, I may not even know what caste is that. So you are meeting, uh, you know, different people. So that leads to a different kind of social uh, consciousness, and which is being replaced by the common denominator, and that common de denominator is the Hindu identity. So you see the rise of Hindu identity as well. So high literacy rates is leading to high socioeconomic mobility, which is restructuring the society, changing the consciousness of the people, and also uh, solidifying the Hindu Hindu identity, which is I, I would say explains why there's a correlation between the two. All right. So I mean, now let's start looking at uh, some of these charts. So we we'll look at the first chart here. So let us discuss this. So first chart is most Indians say that they are members of scheduled caste, scheduled tribe or other backward classes. Jains are a notable exception. Uh, I don't think so. This is surprising. I thought this was a pretty uh, straightforward and standard chart. Did you find any aberration or anything? No. Uh, it's is exactly as it is expected. Uh, majority of the Hindus do belong to scheduled caste tribes and the mm -hmm. other backward caste. So even before EWS reservation, which is a 10% reservation, I used to say that uh, people don't oppose reservation because majority of the Hindus are the reserve category people. So, so you know, people could say, well, I oppose reservation. But as the majority of the people are getting reservation, they don't oppose it. Now, after 10%, you have the uh, everyone, every Hindu is technically covered under the reservation. Among the Muslims also, is, uh, is, is very clear. I think the numbers are pretty much higher on the uh, in the general category numbers because lots of people pretend that they are not Pasmandas and all, but lots of people are Pasmandas in the Muslim community. So this is the adoption of identity over time that they move to the uh, what you call the open general category, which is unreserved category. So there I have a some issue, I think the number on the uh, side of most backward classes should have been higher, uh, more than 43. It should, be, it should be at least, you know, 60 or 70. But then it's a, it's, the identities are very complex processes, right? They take centuries and decades to form. And there's lots of people who hide their identity. It's very easy to hide when you convert to the religion. So they have done that. Among Buddhism, no surprise, most of the converts to Buddhism these days are from the scheduled caste. Then you have the six. Now, this is very interesting. You often see these memes or these posts uh, in the social media that be like sick, we don't need reservation, we, we believe mm -hmm. in our hard work, we don't need the geek of reservation and whatever. And I say, Baba, you know, the large population of sick comes under reserve category. You know, a large number of them are scheduled caste. A large number of them are scheduled, uh, sorry, OBC castes. Uh, 
it's not just that you have the jet six or the khatris who are part of that community so this number should uh, open the eyes and at least uh, we should stop making those uh, uh, uninformed memes that we see on the social media because there is no reservation on the basis of religion there is a reservation on the basis of caste so among sikh community also there are many castes so they do fall under reserve category so that i think this number this these numbers should basically tell them to stop making uninformed comments and memes otherwise it's more or less uh, as expected i don't see any uh, discrepancies as such uh, but uh, it also tells you that uh, we don't really have the proper number of different caste and communities in this country and this is why npr and rc should happen at the earliest abhinav another important point about punjab because you did talk about sikhism sikhs and punjab people don't realize that the highest population percentage of dalits in the country state wise is in punjab 30% of the punjab is dalits people don't know this fact more than 30% 32 or 33% and the own i think less than 1% of agricultural land yeah and, and people don't realize that and uh, the story of punjab uh, i would always say like i don't uh, agree with the author's uh, epistemology because uh, the author uses post structuralism in many ways but the author has narrated the entire history of punjab and the rise of tat khalsa the singh sabha movement and then the foundation of the shirumani gurdwara prabandhak committee the author's name is harjot obrai so i recommend everyone to read the book written by harjot obrai both the books if you want to and you will understand how punjab has uh, had a casteism and how the caste has been played around and what tat khalsa did what sanatan sikhism did what were the udasis what were the ravidasis what were the ramgadias and you know there are many multiple layers in punjab just just as a uh, side uh, side note but now let's get into the next one abhinav uh, uh, this was uh again uh, i don't know ki jo jo hamare indian social you started with a very important thing that it isne to bada dil toda hoga logo ka majority of indians do not see widespread discrimination against scheduled castes and scheduled tribes in india so how much of a heartbreaker was this do you think for the you know jnu comrades your old friends <laughs> they are always heartbroken baba kitna dil todoge 14 ke 2014 ke baad unka har din dil toothta hai I remember in 2014 when the results were declared, we went to campus, we went to the Sabarmati Dhaba, and in the evening we thought that we will definitely go. The atmosphere was like that uh, Corona lockdown 2014 may have happened. There was no one to be seen outside, uh, and we were standing at the Sabarmati Dhaba. We were all celebrating all the ABVP folks and the you know pro uh, BJP folks, and then the comrades will come out of the hostel to the Dhaba just buy the tea and run away. You know, so their heart is always broken. दिल टूटा था 2019 में उसके बाद बहुत तरीके से उसके पहले 2017 में टूट चुका था सो उनका दिल तो रोज ही टूटता है ना अभी ओलंपिक्स में दिस पीपल सम मेडल्स ऑल दिस ओलंपियंस आर प्राउड हिंदूज उसमें भी उनका दिल टूट गया है सो दिस नंबर्स वुड हैव कंप्लीटली शटर्ड देम सो इट्स फाइन यू नो दिस इज दिस इज वट द रियालिटी इज मेजोरिटी ऑफ द इंडियंस डू नॉट सी वाइड स्प्रेड कास्ट डिस्क्रिमिनेशन बट हेयर इज एन इम्पॉर्टेंट पॉइंट टू बी नोटेड where is it more prevalent in the urban centers you will see majority of the people will not see not say that they see day to day caste discrimination but if you move to the countryside to the villages the numbers will start changing so i don't think this these aggregate numbers present the full picture second point is that many people 
especially in the uh, villages or the small towns, do not see certain things as caste discrimination, which might be actually discriminatory. They might see it as a natural thing. You know, they will definitely, you know, people of one caste will not really go to the gatherings of the other caste as such. So because that is given, that is natural for them. So uh, uh, those things are, have not been captured. But overall, I agree that majority of the people, if you ask them today, will say that day-to-day -day caste discrimination has declined. And this is completely unlike the propaganda you see in the academia, in the activist talk, in the uh, what you call these uh, propaganda outlets uh, from the foreign uh, uh, publications. Uh, I mean, you see, look at the narrative that after BJP has come to power, Dalits are being beaten everywhere, Dalits are being killed everywhere, there's widespread caste discrimination. That's a humbug, right? This, this, this number tells you the reality on the ground. It's not true. In fact, caste discrimination has gone down in the last six years because of the natural process uh, unfolding in the country because of urbanization, rising literacy, everything, right? So every year, the things are becoming better. Of course, there will be incidents, right? There will be incidents and they keep happening. It's a country of 1.35 billion. You have lots of issues. You have lost of, uh, uh, you know, such a caste-based violence, which are happening every day. But the number overall is declining if you look at them at a long-term trajectory. And this is something we need to understand, the wide-term social process, rather than doing this kind of political hit jobs. Are, you know, BJP came to power and this happened, that happened. So I think lots of hearts would have been broken. And I think we need to break them even more by commissioning more such studies. Yeah, and, and you know what the most important point in what you've just uh, mentioned here, Abhinav, is that you raise the importance of urbanization and modernity. And yes, uh, in the next coming week, uh, you and I both are going to be talking a lot about modernity uh, in our own context. But uh, here's the thing. The most significant point, again, I think you could not have been more right here, where you raise the importance that, yes, wherever there has been urbanization, literacy, modernity and the benefits and fruits of you know free markets where people get upward mobility where people get new job opportunities uh, which is very unlike the village life where people are kind of stuck in eternity in their supposed roles as per their jati um, and, and i don't know why people uh, fantasize about it's like i've never gotten this right up you know as like yeah some days you know some time ago people used to uh, ride horse carts and bullock carts uh, then the motor engine came in and then cars came in and basically people who were doing that job were completely out of jobs so what am i supposed to say hi 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 barbad ho gaye ji sare ghoda chalane wala tradition chale gaya bhai ghode mein kyun ghumna chahte ho gaadi mein ghumo na yeah so you know, you have this this kind of uh, agenda, which is often talked about on Twitter and social media these days. I stand for annihilation of caste. I stand for this and that. You know, this woke, woke thing which has happened, uh, which are triggered on every small thing. My point is that there can never be annihilation of caste as such. It's not going to happen for a very, very long time. These are very strong identities. And the castes have survived all the major social changes. It was there, perhaps it was there in the Harpen period, because many people do argue that such a complex system of, uh, 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 you know, uh, what you say, professional-based uh, uh, complex system like Jaki or the caste cannot or could not have originated in a very simplistic Vedic society, which was pastoral society. 
from all we know. This kind of complex system of job, uh, you know, jobs and professions could have originated in an urban setting. And many people do argue, I mean, uh, they're not the mainstream that the Jati system or the caste system might have actually originated in the Harappan civilization, where you have a very complex urban civilization in which you had the, this kind of different jobs and traditions. So the idea might have come that, you know, the people doing this kind of job might be belong to the same guild, which then would have become endogamous which have become the caste as we know today. And because those were very old times in which you had uh, the, the rate of technology change was very slow. So they're the same kind of profession, same kind of system will continue generation after generation. I don't think that you are going to, you know, uh, get rid of caste as such as the very activists uh, do talk about. The caste has survived from that time till the modern period. I think what we can have is a post-caste society where castes may remain, where castes may remain, that like you have certain castes, someone has under caste, but they do not matter in day-to-day -day interpersonal relationships. They do not matter in the, uh, you know, social intercourse. They do not matter in deciding your uh, profession, your status in society. They do not matter as such. They might be marker of identity that you belong to this community or that community. And why I'm saying that can happen, because that has already happened in large parts of the world. That has happened in Japan, that has happened in the West, that has happened in large parts of the country where, large parts of the world where uh, urbanization has completely transformed the society in which all markers, you know, family names, surnames have remained, but they do not carry any socio-political significance. I think that is more likely to happen in India as India becomes more and more urbanized and modernized that you will have a post-caste society rather than annihilation of caste, right? And you're certainly not having the restoration of Jati Varna system. That's a pipe dream. Anyways, that doesn't exist in the same form as you imagine it to be. That can, that can simply not happen because objective reality is not going to become the same as it was back then. And this is something which I have always said many a time with uh, Kushal that uh, there is no pure Jati Varnashana system. There's no pure caste system. What is it? Which time period are you talking about? What was the character of the caste system in that time? It has always been a dynamic system, which has been changing. The caste system uh, in 2000 BC was not the same as the caste system under the Gupta period, not the same as the caste system under the, let's say, uh, Cholas in the south, not the same as what you had under the Turks, not the same which you had after the uh, colonial period. And which is not this, which will not remain the same after 100, 200 years because it's changing as of now. So uh, when people keep talking about caste system, you have to ask them define which time period are you taking as the model of the caste system, and then you will see that caste system has changed rapidly. I mean, drastically uh, from that time period to the today. So I don't think that we are going to see any annihilation of caste. What we're going to see is castes becoming irrelevant in the next few centuries. This is what is going to happen, or maybe earlier. Yeah, so the, the, the next one was this relatively few Indians, including people in lower caste, say they experience caste discrimination. Again, I, I, I want to add the same caveat over here is that they have not divided into the urban and rural uh, Indian setup. But again, the numbers over here are also quite encouraging, right? But it's a function of many things. Number one, 
and this is what many people have uh, uh, talked about. I mean, when I talk to them, they say this. Thing. Number one, many people, if you interview them, they tend to deny that they have suffered such kind of discrimination. Right? They do deny. I mean, or they ignore it. Second thing is many things, as I told you, many people don't see that that is discriminatory, especially in the small towns and the villages. I mean, they are fine with it. That is the way of life as such. Third point is, as you are saying, that there is no ruler in urban divide. But despite all those uh, possible explanations, the numbers are pretty much clear on one side. That let's say even if 60% is that real number instead of what is 82, 82 is the Hindu number, right? Overall is 82. Let's say if the margin of error is 20%, that many people might have reported it wrong, they have they are in a denial mode or they do not see discrimination as discrimination. And also, even if the number is 60%, that's a pretty important number. Right? That tells you the situations are becoming better in India. And this is what I keep saying. When these uh, people go on TV say, our idea of India is dead, our old good days are over, my God, I love my doing school days when there was no communism, no BJP, no Sanghi, no Bhaks. I say, well, good enough. The idea of India is dead, the old India is dead, fine, good enough, we don't want it back because situation is much better today. You might be studying in Boone School or somewhere uh, in the 60s and you saw no communalism, no discrimination, but the country was suffering and reeling under discrimination. 21st century India is much, much better than the India of the Congress rule of the 60s and 70s. I was just talking to someone who, uh, uh, you know, who, was, uh, who belongs to Central UP. And he was telling me, you know, how in the 70s and 80s, and the, by the way, that person was telling me uh, uh, himself belonged to an upper caste, uh, upper caste. And he was saying that, you know, how the things used to happen in the 70s and 80s in his district, how oppressive the system was, even though he belonged to the upper caste, you know, he did not belong to the very rich family, he belonged to a middle class family. So he said, no, we used to see this is going, this happening to everyone. We don't want that India back, right? That was a very bad India. The Congress used to be an election because Congress maintained and sustained the feudal system on the ground, as simple as that. All the old Jagirdars, Javindar, Rajas became the Congress politicians. The deal was very simple. The Congress will not enact any real social change on the ground. In return, make sure that the Congress politicians keep winning election in the parliament. American Rivalry is the classic example of that. And we can do uh, whatever you want at the international level, all those gyan. We will run JNU, but we will not touch the ground reality. That was the deal of the Congress, and that has changed. Right? That has changed because of the tremendous political, social, economic change which has happened after 1980s and numbers in front of everyone. I would say just subtract 20% from 82%. 62 number is also a great number. You know, Abhina, one more point in this entire chart uh, also shows that that the experience of casteism, right? it's okay. While we have discussed that majority don't experience casteism, the experience of casteism and caste-based discrimination other than Jains is relatively similar in all religious identities, which also kind of busts the narrative of the Muslim, Christian, Sikh apologia and even the Buddhist apologia that they are uniquely less casteist in terms of religious denominations. Yeah, caste is a social system, not a religious system. Let's not forget that, right? Uh, so caste system is present. Uh, 
among all the uh, all the places of Indian subcontinent, whether you are Muslim, Hindu, Christian, whatever, Sikh, uh, they are all divided in the caste, and they come and say, well, you know, Islam does not. Uh, uh, mandates caste system christianity does not do that six do not do that it doesn't matter because it's not a religious system it's a social system the fact is that the six are divided in caste the fact is that the muslims are divided in caste the fact is that hindus and christians are divided into different jatis and castes so this is not surprising but that's the power of the narrative the fake narrative that hindus are evil and we are great so if you want to escape caste, you have to convert from Hinduism to our religion and you will be free. That's not true. I mean, you see in the case of Christianity in India, in Andhra, you have the entire, uh, uh, you know, this question of the Dalits, uh, the, the scheduled caste people convert to Christianity, not being allowed entry into the church uh, controlled by some other caste uh, or being denied the burial grounds. The same, the same is the case in Kerala and other places. So this is all humble. This is all the power of narrative. This is what I've told in the beginning that all the activist talk, all the, uh, uh, you know, this academic talk, all the media propaganda has been busted by this new survey. And this is a very, very important survey. And this also tells us why Indian social science departments controlled by the left never did empirical work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's this last one over here. I think there's not done after this. Large shares of Indians do not belong to scheduled caste, uh, who do not belong to scheduled caste uh, tribes would accept a Dalit neighbor. Again, this is a healthy sign. And in fact, what is interesting in this is if you look at the uh, obviously the Buddhist answer was not available in Jains, uh, almost 50 50 percent would and would not accept. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a Dalit neighbor, which is very weird because uh, in the previous one, uh, you know, amongst Jains, they have experienced the least amount of caste discrimination. So I did not understand the uh, the problem between that, uh, you know, how these two met kind of fit. But again, you know, 77% Sikhs over here uh, uh, <clears throat> would accept a Dalit neighbor, 83% Christians, 72% Hindus. The most interesting aspect is the least number of people who would accept a Dalit neighbor are Muslims, 69%. Not surprising. All Not surprising because of two, two uh, main reasons, Kushal. Dalits are the, in the eyes of a believer, worst of the pagans. They are far more pagan, you know. They have, they have, they are so many local deities because see, the, the local culture is very strong. So uh, they are the pagans who are not uh, talking sophisticated, the Dwait Vedanta. They're worshipping their local deities in a way uh, which uh, people who believe in, uh, uh, you know, or people who hate Buddh Parasti will definitely not like. Second point, uh, Kushal, is that among the Muslims, you have a section of people who are of the foreign origin or who claim to be the foreign origin, the Ashrafs. They don't even like their own uh, converts to Islam from the uh, different Indian Jatis. Do you think they're going to like uh, the list living next to them? The, there is a caste factor mixed with racism. Racism is very, very important. We forget that. Among the Muslim society, you talk to Pasmanda Muslims and all, they will tell you how, how deeply entrenched racism is in the Muslim society in Indian subcontinent. It's not just India. You look at the Pakistan. Most of the Pakistanis are not fair-skinned. Most of the Pakistanis uh, are not, uh, you know, 
they don't look like Central Asian or the Arabs or the Iranians. Most of the Pakistanis looks like other, any other Indian, right? Depending on the geography. If you're in Punjab, you'll be obviously more fairer. If you're in Sindh, you will be much darker. But look at the uh, uh, abuses the Pakistani throw at Indians. We are not like we are not ugly like Indian. We are not kala like Indian, right? Those kind of very racist abuses they throw. That is the same case in India. The Muslim discourse or the Muslim identity is dominated by the Muslims who are either of the foreign foreign origin or who claim descent from the foreign origin, who try to act more foreign than the foreigners themselves. So they really don't like the natives as such. For them, their great language is Persian, Arabic, whatever. They believe that you know they came from some Central Asia conquering India and so on. That, that racism is deeply entrenched. And this is what uh, I have seen. This is why I have uh, uh, been able to pick up in my discussion with many people. And certainly the entire Pasmanda Muslims in India, they will tell you better. I mean, you should call a Pasmanda Muslim and ask about racism in the Muslim society. They will tell you. So it's not just casteism you're seeing here. It's also the mix of racism in the case of Muslims. Yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of times, just to add uh, even more weight to your argument, a lot of people, you know, you rightfully mentioned people confuse caste with uh, other issues and religion. They think it's something unique to Hinduism. See, what people need to realize is that caste is a purity and pollution issue. And uh, societies, any uh, post-agricultural society in some weird way where, you know, it is so weird that post-agricultural societies lead to large numbers. Large number leads to urbanization. Urbanization led to, you know, multiple purity and pollution related issues. And all religions, albeit in different degrees, depending on the level and state of their society today, are going to have this discriminatory system. It doesn't matter if you're a Hindu or Muslim or a Jew or, or anything. It's casteism is a purity and pollution issue. And purity and pollution issues exist in every single set, which is why this pupil is very important. I think uh, so. So another interesting part, again, seven in 10 Indians say all or most of their core close friends share their caste. And uh, I'm going to mix this with the next chart. Well, most Indians say it is crucial to stop inter-caste marriages. Now, again, I'll tell you why I think this is absolutely right is because of the endogamy rate in India. This The genetics actually prove that these points are right. Yeah, so they both are interlinked to each other because our society has evolved in a particular manner for almost 2000 years that the caste structures are deeply ingrained they are deeply entrenched so people really don't marry outside their caste frankly speaking i mean you can talk to your own family members right uh, many of people now actively may not oppose it but they are not going to support it in the sense that they're not going to boycott you for doing inter-caste marriage but this is something they'll say, mat karo, don't do it kind of a thing, right? But if you do it, fine. I mean, they're not going to, it's not that they are going to throw you out of the house or something, at least in the urban India. So it's not uh, surprising. This is very true. That most of the Indians do not want to marry outside their caste. And this is uh, equally prevalent among all the caste. It's not that, that only the upper caste don't want to marry the, the, the lower caste, as to speak. But even the lower caste will not want to marry the upper caste because it's about caste, right? It's not about upper and lower as such out here. They would not want to marry someone who belongs to, just say one upper caste will not want to marry another upper caste, right? So it's caste versus caste. It's all caste against each other. 
And this is why Baker said, you know, it's a low intensity civil war, right? So everyone is fighting against each other. Uh, so it's very, very true that people don't prefer intercaste marriages. They don't do it. That's, that's breaking down a bit in the urban centers, but that's not the mainstream as of yet. Now, when you marry within your own caste, you prefer to make relations between your own caste. Of course, your social circle will also be the same, right? The people you are meeting in the family gatherings, the people uh, you are going out with, you know, because India is a very strong kinship-based society. So, of course, your friends and everyone will also come from the same caste, most of them, right? Unless if you are living in a very cosmopolitan center, it's very likely that your friends will come from your own uh, uh, caste because that's your social circle. That's the social circle of your parents. Those are the people you share the colony with. So that's natural. So they, both the things are interlinked to each other. If there were more intercaste marriages, then perhaps you will see the other numbers also changing because then you will have relations across different castes. So your friendship will also spread across different castes. But that those things are changing. I mean, uh, in this in the universities and colleges, you see the mixed caste. Uh, groups are very very prevalent right uh, it depends on place to place if you're talking about delhi you'll find that a person has you know 10 friends seven of them are from different caste but maybe for the india as a whole that is not true as of now but i think that will happen those things are interrelated to each other how will that happen i don't know because you can't force people to intermarry and i don't see any logic into this kind of you know radical thing that we should <laughs> do, do something ban same caste marriages so, Baba, how can you ban same caste marriages and why should you ban, ban same caste marriages right people will marry whom they want to marry i don't think that people uh, wanting to marry within their own caste is an indicator of being dead casteist i don't go into that thing you can marry whomsoever you want as long as you're not discriminating in day-to-day -day -to -day life in social discourse in professional field against any other person fine why should i get into your kitchen why should I get into your uh, home, right? You may marry whomsoever you want to. What matters is your public behavior. Yeah, I agree with you. So so that wraps up. So Abhinav, I'll just um, uh, take a few questions that were asked by the live viewers. So um, let me see, let me see. I think we, I've asked, somebody had asked which religion exhibits worst caste discrimination. I've already answered that. We have kind of taken care of that. Um, Somebody has asked this, uh, uh, has casteism uh, or the, you know, the kind of influence of casteism in our society led to mass conversions out of Hinduism or what is the rate? We don't have any data to basically uh, prove or disprove that point. One way of looking at it that the option was always there at least since the Islam came to India. But majority of the people did not convert to Islam. So if they were escaping caste discrimination, they would have converted to mass to Islam. That didn't happen. That disproves the point. Lots of conversion to Islam happened from the upper caste as well. You will find lots of villages in Western UP, you know, which are of the Muslims who claim that they are Rajputs. You find a lot of them, right? So you talk, you, we sh you should be asking Muslims about their caste. When you meet a Muslim friend, Ask it, what is caste? Kya hai? So you'll, you'll be surprised. Some of them will say that they are, they are Brahmins. Some will be saying they converted from Jats. Someone converted from Rajputs and so on. So if that caste discrimination per se, this narrative that the, the, uh, the Dalits or the lower caste were converting 
towards the religion to escape caste discrimination, then you will not see the same kind of conversion from the other castes as well. So the conversion to different religion is always a complex process, especially to Islam. It was always a complex process. It happened because of many reasons. It's not just one point is in doubt. Some might have converted, right, because of that particular reason, but that's not the majority of the cases. With Christianity, in the modern time, there is some element of truth to that. But they're not converting to Christianity to escape caste discrimination per se. They are, the conversion to Christianity is happening because Christianity comes with a package. The package is you convert, you get access to English medium school. You get access to better hospitals. You get uh, access to a higher aspirational lifestyle. So it's not that the people are running to escape the caste discrimination because Christianity, because it comes with that particular package in India, that you, you gain some kind of social economic mobility. That's it. It's not that caste discrimination is going anywhere. You convert to Christianity, there's a discrimination within the churches. But you're better off than before, mainly because of access to the resources, because churches have huge amount of resources at their disposal, so they can provide you those things. So that's the thing. I, I don't buy this agenda of you know, converting to escape discrimination as such. I don't think that's the uh, main... That's not the, that's basically a narrative. That's not true as such. So I'm going to cr cram a few questions, Abhinav, because I'm aware you have to go now. So somebody is like, like electoral districts, uh, isn't our measurement or definition of caste uh, outdated? Do, do you think we need a new survey? I think we've had this chat even in the past where you have said that we need new uh, survey, right? Caste census and surveys in India. Yeah, but as of now, because this is a political matter and I don't think the stand of my party is very clear, I will not uh, uh, express my opinion as there's some clarity. But yes, we need better data to make better policies. Yeah, so so, so that that's fair. And uh, also so somebody has asked about, somebody has given a suggestion here because you're from the education uh, realm of education and you're a teacher. They've said uh, a lot of times uh, what they have experienced is there are studies that show that when we kind of bring reservations at the level of the school uh, and then when we create a level playing field at the level of the school itself, sometimes, you know, when kids go to college, they may not need it. So, so how's your experience in education been? And uh, so uh, what kind of work has been done by, by the government as such? Is the government working on things like that? Oh, in India, is, is, is India is a very unique case that we have failed to provide education to all. I mean, you look at the experience of other countries, look at Japan, Germany, everywhere. They were able to educate everyone, provide access to good education. Only in India, you have this concept So that is that, that tendency of artificially restricting knowledge to do, to do rent seeking is a very unique Indian thing, right? Uh, and this is something which has hampered the spread of education in India. That has never been the priority of the policymakers. And of course, situation is much worse because you have so many uh, politicians who businessmen come politicians basically who have their own private colleges you know there was some data that all under the congress government almost every day these many number of private colleges are being opened so you you have this uh, uh, resistance to public education now inbuilt in the political system because there are lots of stakeholder who direct interest in that so they would never want public sector to go and provide free or affordable education to everyone and this is something uh, which needs to be done. See, ultimately, what is reservation, Kushal? Reservation is basically fight over the state resources. 
you think about it. This is basically the struggle over to whom the public resources should go. So you say that these communities were not getting access to it because of certain certain reasons. So you provide them by law, right? If you see, if you create universal access to basic things like health and education, do you think that the same kind of caste-based politics can survive for long? Because what is the caste-based politics? And let's say caste-based politics do not mean only Dalit and OBC. There's lots of upper caste caste-based politics as well. You see that in UP, it's happening, right? So every caste is doing their own politics because that's a character of the society. So the, the moment you provide universal access to health, education, and basic services, the role of that patronage-based caste politics goes away. And slowly, you will see lots of things will change in the political discourse and the policy level as well. Abhi kya hai? You want access to good jobs? Make sure that I win and I will ensure that my caste members get selected. Or they will not be discriminated against. Or if I am the big data, I will write a letter for my caste members that you get admission in the hospitals and all. But if those things are easily available to everyone, do you think that these kind of special policies or patterns will be required? No. So that is something we have not done and I think we should do. Because uh, when you talk about reservation, why reservation becomes such a big issue, Kushal, right? So you're saying you're giving reservation to these communities so their communities are suffering because potentially numbers are going down. And this is the thing we have seen in the case of NEET, when the Modi government provided 27 plus 10% reservation, OBC plus upper caste EWS reservation. So people start saying, well, now, hamara kya, general category mein, unka number kya. But you see, the Modi government has almost uh, doubled the seats of uh, medical uh, courses after 2014. So if you want to provide reservation, it's good to increase the capacity. If you're increasing the capacity, you are providing both reservations and you're not even uh, lowering the number of uh, you know seats available to the other communities as well. So that should be done ideally, but as I told you in India, this, this political economy of rent seeking is very strong. I don't know how that can be changed. Perhaps things will change because uh, you see some changes in the case of medical courses and in the last six, seven years, they are building different medical colleges, increasing number of seats. I think it will change as we go forward. Yeah, I agree. So I'll just leave a uh, last few comments and because I know, uh, Abhinav, you have to leave. So we'll wrap it up. So, so obviously some people had asked, well, I mean, if caste is some is a social construct, well, I mean, even if we get rid of this uh, hierarchical system, it will be, you know, kind of replaced with some other hierarchical system. Somebody had made a comment that in, in, in India, you know, in urban societies, more and more they see, you know, caste being replaced by skin color and yeah, but uh, uh, the point I think what people miss is that, I mean, this is my view, is that hierarchies will exist in every post-agricultural uh, society. The, the key is upward mobility and the freedom to go from point A to point B. That is where Jati Varna becomes a problem, right? Yeah, so there may be some or the other kind of hierarchy uh, which might exist in different societies and which might exist in... India as well, let's say, if you, even if you destroy or you get over the caste system. But the problem with the caste, as you pointed out, in Jati Varna system, is that it can't be changed. That hierarchy is fixed. Those are closed groups, right? It's fine if there's an elite. Uh, the problem is not that there's an elite which is governing society. The problem is, uh, or the real question is, 
what is the composition of the elite and what is the way in and out of that circle. So hierarchies might be many, but are those hierarchies just birth based? Or let's say, or are, are those are people say, now people come and say, well, Jati system is not about, it's about hierarchy. Let's be very clear. We can read any text, you can read, uh, you can see the real social history, it's about a clear cut hierarchy. So that is something uh, which is uh, unique about Jati Wanda system because it's birth based. It's fine, you can have another system of hierarchy which is perhaps not birth based. And you can say, well, you also have hierarchy in the business house where you have the manager, you have this and that. Fine, but a, a floor worker can become manager, right? He's not being barred from becoming a manager. Uh, if he can acquire those skills and work harder, he can become part of the managerial class. So I think this kind of comparison is wrong when it comes to caste, and especially Jati Upana system, which is a unique specific system. Yeah, I agree. All right, Abhinav, I know you're, you know, you have to go and you have other engagements. So we'll wrap it up today. Uh, as always, Abhinav, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Uh, I I really wanted to talk to you about this subject because, uh, you know, it's your, your perspective matters a lot. And uh, I think uh, I'm really grateful that, you know, you came here and you explained it uh, uh, in, uh, you know, in as, uh, as, uh, basic a format that could have and also i have to congratulate you abhinav on behalf of all the viewers and listeners of the charvak podcast about your new responsibility bahut logon ne live stream mein likha abhinav bhaiya ko badhai do to main abhi sabke bhaiya pe aapko badhai de raha hu thank you main neta ki tarah bol bhi raha hu dhanyawad aap sabke samarthan ki aasha rahe so all right guys so time to wrap today's podcast up i know you guys are used to listening to the charvak podcast for an hour and a half but today we have some time restraints i also have my ramayana session now at nine o'clock so if you are a member just hop straight into it because i'm going to start it at 9 p.m also uh, in the description of the podcast will be the details of uh, Abhinav's Patreon channel and Abhinav's uh, YouTube channel. So please go and subscribe to Urban Chatter IT2 and support Abhinav on Patreon. Uh, also, if you like what I'm doing over here, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment and become a member on YouTube or on Patreon. Or you can send your donations through UPI or the Charvak Podcast merch. By the way, I'm going to be launching a, a few new merchandise items, few new t-shirts are coming up. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, take care. Goodbye. Bye.